Hello and welcome to The Pulse. And the focus in this week's show is education. It's getting more expensive and more difficult for parents to get a good English language education for their children in Hong Kong. In part two, we look at the controversy over one school that's planning to hike fees by more than 50% in the next five years. At the other end of the educational facilities scale are Hong Kong's Asian ethnic minorities who are having problems getting their children a good Chinese language education and that can have a disastrous effect on their future. Excluding domestic helpers, Hong Kong's South Asian community, largely made up of Pakistanis, Nepalese and Indians, is relatively large, at just over 1%. Many are second or even third generation Hong Kongers, but due to their relatively low level of education, they often have very limited job opportunities. And that's not the only problem. Since the handover in 1997, a growing number of jobs formerly open to English speakers have added a Chinese language requirement. Each time we had a, we, we look up the job, I found a job, it was like a no from the beginning. We just went to the designated schools and we just learned English. We couldn't learn uh, Chinese. We only know how to speak. We don't know how to read and write. For any immigrant, grasping the dominant language of the environment can provide a path to smooth integration. Many minority parents want their children to start on the ladder early. If uh, we don't change this cycle, we don't bring her to a Chinese school, she'll be the same like us. She wouldn't have a lot of choices. But the chances are that ethnic minority children won't be able to get kindergarten schooling. Roy helped his niece apply at four different kindergartens before she was accepted. In the end, how did we got into one school? It's, it's also a Chinese kindergarten. We had some recommendation uh, from the friends. According to a study by the Hong Kong Institute of Education, Southeast Asians and other ethnic minority children have less opportunity to get an education. Some 15 to 20 percent don't get a kindergarten education and that hinders their chances of learning Chinese. According to the critical period hypothesis, it's much easier for children to acquire new languages up to the age of six or seven than later in life. You look at children, they're, they're learning, uh, particularly learning of language, uh, is most important in the first six years of their life. You know, if they can learn Chinese and English at the same time uh, when they're in the kindergarten, uh, they have little difficulty when they actually get into primary school. But the barriers to integrating into the mainstream education system don't stop there. She could speak Cantonese because she went to a kindergarten that was also in Chinese. But we didn't know like uh, it would be such a big difference in primary one. Knowing how hard it is to find a job without being able to read and write Chinese, Shabana started taking classes. Now she helps her niece Hanifa with her primary school homework. Last year, before Shabana began helping, Hanifa couldn't keep up with her schoolwork. As you could see, she, she read a lot of uh, Chinese uh, characters. 
but this wasn't possible last year. She, she, she didn't even understood the instruction. She couldn't even read the instruction. I had to look up the answer and then tell her to write this. It was just like me telling her everything. She didn't know anything. It was zero. Uh, each time she sat down, she, she didn't understand. She sat for, for hours, but without doing anything. And then when she went to school the other day, the, the teachers would like ask her and why, why she didn't finish, and they would just like punish her. But they didn't understand. Like, it's Chinese, and uh, she is not, not like, she's not a native speaker. She has nobody to help her with the homework. Ziao in recent years, this kindergarten has increased its intake of students from ethnic minorities. Currently, it has over 30 ethnic minority students, and the teachers are developing ways to teach them Chinese. <laughs> Shubalusika. 沒有一個特, 有什麼方法直情可能說給我聽有什麼方法我們會在那些方法來試部件、如何設計
have a right to study kindergarten as well, and the government has to provide us with the aid. And the aid is Chinese as a second language, efficient for us to learn. The teachers don't know how to teach, how can the kids learn? A survey by Unison suggests that most kindergartens with ethnic minority students face difficulties related to their varying Chinese abilities, but they don't know how to cope. Unison wants the government to recognize the difficulties faced by those for whom Chinese isn't a first language. These difficulties aren't just limited to learning Chinese, but include problems in learning every subject. It doesn't mean that uh, ne they necessarily have to learn easier Chinese. It means that I recognize their needs as second language learners. To support the kindergartens, the Education Bureau asked the University of Hong Kong to run a university school support program last year to help teachers develop teaching methods and targets. There are doubts about its effectiveness. If you're going to raise the language proficiency, the trainer himself or herself must be um, a professional first. If a professor is too busy normally and send a representative to go to the school to have the kind of co-teaching, co-planning uh, co with the teachers to do the thing, that may be a gap between um, you know, the, the ideal, ideal way of doing uh, things accordingly. According to the Education Bureau, over 25 kindergartens joined the program, and it did help kindergarten teachers to develop new teaching strategies and material. The Bureau stressed that rather than adopting a one-size-fits-all policy to help non-Chinese-speaking students, schools should develop their own curricula in response to different learning needs. Not everyone believes that such a scattershot policy will work to create more opportunities for Hong Kong's ethnic minorities and their future generations. The Hong Kong um, government has not had any kind of um, policy that is very clear, loud and clear for the society that uh, if they haven't got that kind of um, clarity in direction, it's very difficult for any institution to provide more kind of resources in terms of time and people, manpower to do it. Ethnic minorities, when they excel, they're bringing additional value, they're bringing diversity, they're bringing additional different perspectives in culture um, mm -hmm. and languages. And all these are actually values to Hong Kong and we shouldn't shove them under the carpet. I was not taught Chinese, not in school. And uh, so I, I, I learned it by myself. And uh, so I thought, if I can learn it, why not a child? I mean, a child is developing much faster than an adult uh, if they are given the right environment, the right support. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. If you want to get your children a good English language education in Hong Kong, you can always pay to get them into an entirely private school. Lower down the cost scale were the Subventive English Schools Foundation facilities. But now the ESF is losing its government subventions and parents at one related school are facing a greater than 50% fee hike in the next five years. I feel that the school is not listening. Discovery College uh, existing parents have, have been offered no protection at all and we're facing the largest fee increases by far in all of the ESF. 
Launched in 2007, Discovery College in Discovery Bay is one of the two private independent schools run by the ESF, Educational Service Limited, or ESL. In April, it informed students' parents that they have to pay an annual fee increase, now set at 7.6%, plus a non-refundable annual building levy of $5,900. The increase is part of a broader plan to raise school fees by over 50% in the next five years. The school principal, Mr. Mark Beach, and the former head of the ESF, Ms. Heather Duquinay, told parents that the school's financial problem was caused by a flawed financial model drawn up by ESL at the planning stages. Among the problems were that no provision was made for maintenance fees, teachers' salaries were underestimated, and the number of students in the early years was overestimated. The message from the parents is very loud and clear. We cannot afford the fees if it increased by 53%, but it seems like nobody's listening to us. And the school, it's determined to increase fees. So I feel that there's no other way that I can do it but writing an open letter to everybody. In May, a group of parents formed the Discovery College Concerned Parents Group to tackle the fees hike. It's been very difficult trying to get anyone from ESF or from the Education Bureau to even meet with parents. Well, I arranged a meeting uh, between EDB officials and the parents group and uh, as a result of which um, EDB directed um, ESF or ESL to have face-to-face um, um, -face discussions with the parents. In spite of a couple of meetings with Education Bureau officials, there was no downward revision of the proposed fees. Unfortunately, there has been no movement on the part of ESL stroke ESF. Uh, they, they don't seem to be willing to accommodate the, the parents' um, um, uh, objections uh, in any way at all, which is disappointing. I don't think EDBA is doing a proper job because um, when the Discovery College made the application for um, the non-refundable levy in 2011, and they reject it, saying that it's unfair to the parents because they didn't know uh, there would be a, such a fee. And then in 2012, when they reapplied again, they approved. I don't know the reason behind it. But the major problem here is uh, the Education Bureau. Ever since they announced, the Discovery College announced increase in fare, and uh, we have been in close liaison uh, with the Education Bureau, but they refused to meet with us. There must be a, an element of accountability for ESF, ESL's role in the need for fee increases. They've admitted that the major need for fee increases is because of their mistakes and because of their poor planning. And as parents, and a, a lot of us are business people, we can understand that mistakes can be made and you know this is that these things happen but you've got to be accountable for your mistakes you can't make a mistake and then expect someone else to pay for it 
In response to questions raised by the House, the Education Bureau replied in a letter that almost every family understood the financial situation and generally accepted proposed rate increase and the imposition of the non-refundable building levy. What the schools have said so far is that if in difficult situation in terms of hardships, parents may apply uh, for special allowances and that sort of things. I think this is really insulting. You know, to say that sort of thing. It's not that those parents are in need of extra financial assistance. It's about a reasonable financial model versus uh, some sort of uh, a flawed, right, financial model. We could look at different financing models. We could look at the benches where the money is returned to parents at the end of the day, or uh, yeah, a, a cap on future fee increases. We've suggested that the loan tenure could be extended. ESF have already uh, extended it from 20 to 25 years, but that has had minimal impact on the, uh, on the fee increases. So we've suggested that it could be extended to 40 or 50 years, which is the, uh, the life of the asset. We've suggested um, that the school be given back to ESF and that ESL, as the operator, rent it from ESF, so that the uh, because it, I believe it's an ESF asset. So uh, in that way, that would reduce reduce the uh, the deficits. The parents say their proposals remain on the table and unanswered. They are asking why ESL, which is related to the English Schools Foundation, can't receive help from the foundation. The ESF has a huge property portfolio of more than 2 billion Hong Kong dollars in Hong Kong's upper and residential markets. The directors of the ESL are the four top staff of the English School Foundation. So parents say they are run by the same group of people, even though the ESF says they are two separate entities. ESF is an entity established by ordinance. ESL is an entity established under, uh, as limited by guarantee. So they're two very separate legal entities. Finance and everything are actually very separate. The ESF's new CEO is Belinda Greer, who took the helm of the organization aware that it will lose an annual government subsidy of 283 million Hong Kong dollars from 2016. Ms. Greer promises to keep ESF a cost-effective operation for quality education. But she's well aware that she needs to work hard to gain trust from parents in Discovery College. She has received the open letter from Ms. Eva Lam about how many students are dropping out of the school, particularly at secondary level. The financial issues have affected the withdrawal rates, which is around 12%. Renaissance College, another private independent school run by ESL, has an overall withdrawal rate of just about 4.8%. I was certainly um, surprised when you said that there was concern over children dropping out or leaving. I mean, clearly we don't want to lose any of our children from Discovery College. I think it's an excellent school and uh, we would want to keep all our children in Discovery College. Um, but no, I, I was concerned. I was, I was um, unaware that there is a concern over dropout. That certainly hasn't been um, the, the case that I'm aware of. Parents say it's getting harder and harder for them to get their children a good quality English language education in Hong Kong. 
They argue that this affects the SAR's competitiveness as a global city and as a destination for high-end expatriates and international companies. Education panel is still on this issue, and I have put in an agenda item that's being queued up uh, for further discussion uh, on the education panel in LegCo. This is something I would continue to look into and take up with the Education Bureau. We'd probably prefer to look at the extension of the DOA as well as the extension of the break-even first. I think that will, that will create a faster sort of like results in terms of trying to do something for the upcoming future years. Well, I'm afraid that's all we have time for today. We'll leave you with images of that visit to Hong Kong by Li Fei, the mainland's basic law chief, who is here either to lay down the law or maybe to listen to local views on constitutional reform. We'll see you at the same time next week. Until then, goodbye. Happy talking, talking, happy talk. Talk about things you like to do. You got to have a dream. If you don't have a dream, how you gonna have a dream come true? Talk about the moon floating in the sky, looking like a lily on a lake.